Welcome in to another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast and our Picune preview episode. Picune's got another phenomenal game in front of them this week. It seems like we've said that each and every week, but for the most part, we've been telling the truth. These have been some barn burner ball games that Picune's been involved in. Three and one, and then the Ocean Springs Greyhounds, three and one, going to make the trip over. Ricky Whitaker got a chance to check in with their head coach, Coach Bramlett. That's an awesome interview. After you hear that interview, you'll hear Slick and I chop it up about this week's matchup. Ready for faster internet and better service? Of course you are. And that's exactly what you'll get with Coast Connect. Coast Connect gives you blazing speed for faster downloads, streaming video, gaming, or working from home. And it's backed by top shelf service from local people you know and trust. Why wait? Get the speed you need with the service you deserve. Sign up today at CoastConnect.com. Coast Connect, powered by Coast Electric. Bank with your hometown bank, FNB Picune Bank. With four branches in Picune, a branch in Poplarville and Wiggins, and soon to have a branch in Dekeel. The name has changed, but the employees continue to be the same friendly faces, offering you the same great service. So do your banking with your hometown bank. Joining us on the podcast today is the head football coach of the Ocean Springs Greyhounds, Coach Jake Bramlett. Coach, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Anytime. And, Coach, I know you, you come from a family of educators and coaches. Uh, you, you've referenced watching the state championship runs that your uncle had at Macomb. You played the game at a high level, interned uh, under the great Marcus Boyles at Pedal. Had some stops at Madison Central, Clinton, and past Christiane before landing at Ocean Springs as the offensive coordinator and strength and conditioning coach for the last three seasons under Coach Pinnock. And, Coach, I know coaching is a journey. When you want to get into this role, you uh, you have to really be willing to, to go anywhere and move around. You've done that. You worked around some great guys. And I know becoming a head coach is the ultimate goal. So, Coach, I'll ask you just to walk us through the emotions and the things that were running through your mind when you address your kids for the first time, not just as their offensive coordinator, but as their head coach. Yeah, man, absolutely. Kind of hit, hit on a bunch of points right there. Uh, I've been very fortunate to be around a bunch of great football coaches and uh, coaches of other sports my entire life, as, as well as coaching under a bunch of great coaches. I mean, I, starting out with Marcus Bulls and then Judd Boswell and Anthony Hart and Bobby Bass and uh, Blake Pennick right there at the end. And, that, uh, that, I've been very fortunate in that aspect and you get, you get to learn a lot of ball in a short amount of time and, uh, the moving around and getting to work under all those guys in a short amount of time and learn as much as I could, uh, while I was there is, it was huge for me. And then, you know, uh, take, taking those aspects and then moving into my first head job and the, the emotions I got and the feeling I got speaking towards my team for the first time was just, uh, conglomeration of all those different football teams I've been a part of and all those staffs I've been a part of and and the knowledge that I've gained and what I saw in those, those kids in this football team in particular is, uh, you know, they're, they're a special football team and a group of kids that when I came to Ocean Springs, they were ninth graders, so they were, they were my first set of babies coming up and they were very special to me to be able to take over this program, their senior year especially. And then the, the groups that are following them are also uh, very athletic and very gifted. And I, 
I'm just fortunate to be in this position first and foremost, and then uh, getting to getting to coach these guys just icing on the cake. And coach, we got to see some of those younger guys last year. Uh, I know Clay and uh, another guy called uh, that ninth grade championship game. So uh, a lot of a lot of talent coming up from that ninth grade group as well. And with this team, coach, you mentioned uh, you guys had a great run. Uh, as the offensive coordinator, 32 and five over three seasons, and know the kids well. You got 15 starters coming back, and boy, replacing Bray Hubbard. Uh, it's just some big shoes to fill. And looking at his numbers, Will Bergman has has came in and he's been very efficient, uh, completing over 66 percent of his passes. Um, he's he's been very efficient, seven touchdowns on the year. What's been your impression of your new signal caller, Mr. Will Bergman? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we get, I still get to talk about Bray a lot with uh, as many interviews as I do. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the same, uh, same answer I give a lot of people. You just can't replace him with one person. You got to replace him with all 11 starters on offense just because he was such a, a big key to us moving the football every single play. But, uh, William has done a fantastic job stepping in. He's a very intelligent kid. He's uh, more athletic than people give him credit for. Here, he's probably the best soccer player in our school. He's he's quick on his feet. He makes great decisions. His ball control is phenomenal as far as taking care of the football. Sometimes it gets him in a little bit of trouble because he, he he's he's very worrisome about turnovers. But I mean, it it's something that you can be proud of as a coach and uh, uh, just you know it's it's something that's good for your football team when you don't turn the ball over. So. You, you're, you're happy with that aspect. And then you talk about the efficiency. Uh, that goes back to how intelligent he is. He He's understood this offense the entire time he was a backup for Bray. And, I mean, he studied, he studied the game as if he was a starter. And then moving straight into the role was, uh, other than getting the everyday reps, it was a pretty easy transition for him. And then when you start adding those reps up from the spring to the summer and then in the fall camp, it really started clicking with him. And he took it right in stride been very proud of him there hadn't been much of a hiccup as far as uh timing aspects with our offense moving from one quarterback to the next obviously the look changes a little bit just because of his abilities and we've had to adjust some things that fit his abilities a little bit better than they did for say somebody like Bray but uh you know it's been been adjustments on my part adjustments with our offensive coordinator Tracy Lampley and then adjustments for Will's part too just to make sure we're highlighting what he does the best and coach, two of the guys on the edge from a year ago that were big targets, J.P. Coulter and Christian White, they were lost to graduation as well. Uh, I know you get back Isaiah Sinclair, who was a pretty big target last year, but uh, speak yeah. to just your receiving group this year and some guys that have stepped up. Yeah, I, I, Isaiah was he was a starter last year and you know had a, had a fair amount of targets. I, obviously, J.P. and Christian got the majority of those targets, but uh, you know, White still has some big catches and big – I mean, I'm sorry, Isaiah had big catches and big moments. And then you had White Finley, too, who started every single game as long as we were in 10 personnel. And uh, he's a very reliable receiver, kind of a utility guy for us. He can line up at any position of receiver. He can line up in the backfield. Just He's been around the offense long enough. He can kind of do a little bit of everything and does it at a fast pace. So always happy having him out on the field. And then uh, Bryson Smith coming over from defense to help us out. You know, we, last year he was a primarily defensive guy as a sophomore. Very phenomenal athlete. Um, but he's, he's electric. He, he's got great ball skills, plays the ball well in there. And he was just something that we needed on offense this year as far as uh, having the speed over there to take one to the house at any point in the game. 
So he's primarily offense this year. He still plays defense when we need him, but he, he's taken on his role as a receiver, and he, he's been really good for us. I think he's, I think he's 14 catches, about 350 yards. You know, he's gaining a lot of yards whenever he touches the ball, and, you know, um, need to do my job a little bit better and probably get the ball in his hands some more to make sure that, uh, make sure we're doing the things we need to do. And then we got Jax Coleman and, uh, Nolan Wells who are rotating out the other receiver position. Both of them good receivers, different aspects of the game. You need a different one of them. One of them's kind of a burner. The other one's more of a possession receiver. So just use them a little bit differently, but it's a good core of receivers with, uh, with some good six and seven guys backing them up. We got uh, a couple sophomores who are really lengthy, six, two, six, three. They can move in and do, do some things at times. Not quite ready for a full game yet, but certain game situations, you can roll those guys in. Well, when you look at the stat sheet, uh, Coach, and going back to your quarterback's numbers, uh, he spread the ball around. You mentioned a lot of guys, and it's definitely showing up that he's getting the ball out of his hand to, to a lot of different playmakers. And, Coach, staying on the offensive side of the ball, you know, when you've – the old saying, if, you've, if you, you have to know what one looks like to know if one's a good one, Right. You have to see one, yeah. and we've seen some good running backs through the years. And boy, this junior coming back for you, Will Smith, season was cut short a year ago. Uh, only played five yeah. games, but led Region Seven in rushing yards during the games he played. He's got 500 yards, coach, through four games this year. How high is the ceiling for Will Smith? Uh, it, it's very high. I mean, I, you talk about a season getting cut short. I mean, played four full games last year. Had two carries in the fifth game. I think his two carries were about the 80 yards worth of carries in the fifth one before he got hurt. And so, I mean, missing out on the experience of region play and playoff play uh, during his sophomore year was, I mean, just as bad as the injury. I mean, missing out on that experience was kind of a hiccup for him moving into this year. Kind of took him through the spring, getting hit those first few times, and then uh, into the fall, getting another game under his belt. And I feel like he's just now kind of hitting junior experience type of stride. And he's going to be a, a huge part of this offense for the next two two years, and I, I expect him to carry the offense uh, on his back at times. And his, his ceiling is, is incredibly high, and people are really going to start taking notice of him for too long. He's changed his body; he looks looks like a college running back now. He's he's runs with power, he runs with vision, he has good speed to break away, and you know it's. Uh, I'm very excited about his next year and a half with us. And, and what we're going to be able to do with him, our biggest thing is finding ways to get people out of the box just so that he can run the ball a little bit because people have game plan this year to strictly stop him and make William beat him with his arm. So, you know, our, our job is to find ways to still make him effective in those ball games. And does a great job receiving the ball out of the backfield, great hands. Um, he understands the offense. He knows where he's supposed to be at all times. And been very proud of the strides that he's taken over the whole season coming off of the injury. And, uh, like I said, very excited to see where he goes with this. He's a special one, Coach, and I think if, if coaches haven't take, taken note of him now, they probably are a little bit behind schedule. And yeah. Coach, turn to the defensive side of the ball. This is where you get your most returning starters back. Nine of those 15 are coming back on defense and led by your three-star linebacker, Eric Moore, the guy beside him, Trace Carter, a guy who you said had an incredibly high football IQ and then Talon yep. Carter, who anchors that defensive line, 6'3", 290. He's a guy you described as being the heart and soul of that defense, not just leading on the field, but in the weight room. Uh, how have you graded your defense uh, through four games this year, and particularly those three guys and their play? Uh, yeah, outside of three quarters this entire year, they have been lights out. They've had 
they've had three quarters where they they've struggled at times you know whether it be all the travel or you know maybe just a, a little bit of a lack of focus on their part but they're outside of three quarters they have played lights out football this season so far and uh, like you said, Talon Carter is the heart and soul of our defense. He's the heart and soul of our football team. Everybody looks at him a little bit differently. It's, it's like having a coach on the field. He he handles things while we're at, while he's out there. He handles things on the sideline. He is he's a guy that I'm really going to miss, and uh, you know it's it's something that's going to carry him a long way in his football career. Is the way that he attacks the game, and uh, you know when he when he's on the field, I mean it, it, it's a double team or you're going to get beat and. But sometimes he can beat the double team too, and it's just he's something that it makes our defense click up up front and anchoring that stuff down in the middle. And then, like you said, Trace Carter, his football IQ is phenomenal. He uh he he's a nightmare to call plays against during the week. Whenever we go good on good, he understands what we do on offense probably as well as some of our coaches do. And uh, he takes that into his film study every week, and uh, he's your guy on the field that's. He, he knows formationally what your tendencies are. He, he, he memorizes that stuff. He understands it. He knows your wrinkles off of it. And, you know, keeps keeps our linebackers in the game defensively. And then, like you said, Eric Moore is a, is a three-star linebacker. He's very solid at that position. Guy you can always count on to make his run fits, be in the right place. He still drops back in the coverage. But two guys that I'm really proud of this year that stepped up in that senior class is uh, Lamar Baxter, an inside linebacker. And Kendrick Weathers, an outside linebacker, those two guys have taken on their role. A lot of people game plan to run away from Trace, and that puts them right in Lamar and KD's lap. And uh, the Madison Central did that, and KD stepped up and had 15 tackles. And, you know, he was our player of the game that week just for showing that you can't just run away from Trace and be successful against our defenses. Uh, I mean, it, we, we got him on both sides, and he stepped up, and he's learned his role, and he, he's playing it really well right now. Uh, on the defensive backfield, got uh, Christian Bingham and Nazir Kino at corners, and both of those guys have been great this year. Uh, Bingham took a position last year and never let it go, and then uh, Nazir was a starter last year as well. Uh, those guys got a bunch of experience. We trust Bingham going out there and locking up a number one every game we go into and being okay with it without having to give him any safety help. And then uh, Christian Dillard and Trey Thompson in the backfield. Christian's moved in from Gulfport. And Trey Thompson, the guy that's been with us since his ninth grade year. And those guys are playing really well in the back end. Christian made the play against Northwest. It was probably, in my mind, the play of the year already. And, uh, you know, it kind of saved the game for us right there at the end. And then uh, up front, we got some young guys as well. We got Brian Alsmer, who's a 6'3", 240-pound DN that we're really excited about. And then Ricky Orso, who's uh, – one of those guys that plays with that high motor that you just love to see in high school football and reminds, reminds me of a nose guard my uncle had in the Colton State Championship team. He's a little bit undersized, but he's going to be in the backfield and causing headaches every play. Man, it's a, it, it, it's a good-looking group, Coach, on defense, uh, offense yeah. too. So we were talking offline a little bit about the, the reclassifications and just these tough schedules. You mentioned two of those those games already on your schedule Madison Central, just a tough game, really hard-fought, low-scoring game, last-second field goal. Uh, Madison Central take, t- took that game. And then the Northwest Rankin game, another really good football team, your team being down 17 points, rallying all the way back. So a battle-tested bunch uh, is going to be making the trip to, to Lee Triplett Field on Friday. And, Coach, we'll talk about that matchup this week against Picayune, uh, a game I think that from my 
viewpoint is probably going to take all four quarters before a winner emerges. In your opinion, yep. Coach, for your team to be in a good position uh, to, to take that game late in the fourth quarter, what are some key things that you'll be looking to see? Well, I mean, and I talked to my team about this yesterday morning, and, you know, it's uh, a lot of the way that Picky and run, uh, uh, just runs their game plan throughout the game, and you see all their big games, and even when they're down in the fourth, it's never – it's never really an issue to them. They keep, they stick with their game plan. They keep hammering you on offense. They pin their ears back on defense. You got to, to me. You have to stick with your game plan throughout the entire game. The moment you change to try to adjust anything or in the game earlier, anything like that, is when Picky takes advantage. And you know, I think a big part of a big part of us winning this ball game is one dominating the line of scrimmage on uh, both sides of the ball, which is very tough against Picky. They pride themselves on being really good line of scrimmage, but it's it's a step we need to take in order to get to where we need we want to be at the end of the year. And I think picking is a good test for that. And then as the game goes on, you know, obviously having the lead in the fourth is great, but you got to keep on with your game plan. You got to keep pushing the pushing the issue and, and trying to put the ball in the end zone because they're going to keep doing the same thing. And the way they run offense and they start wearing you down the fourth, they're going to score points in the fourth quarter. You have to continue to do that as well. Two tough physical ball clubs that have been battle-tested already through four games. It's going to be an absolutely great game, one that you're not going to want to miss. Coach, I appreciate, again, your time and for you carving out some time for us this morning. And We're looking forward to a great game on Friday night, looking forward to catching up with you, shaking your hand before the game, and we'll be praying uh, for safe travels for you and your team. And Again, we, we thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all having me on. I look forward to it this Friday. Yes, sir. Thank you. Dungan Engineering is a unique force in problem solving in the state of Mississippi. They have offices in Brookhaven, Columbia, Picayune, and Macomb. Dungan Engineering has the capability to provide expansive and complex services to state agencies, local governments, utility providers, and national firms. They do this all while preserving the good neighbor attitude that allows them to be active members in the communities they serve. Their motto is service, strength, solutions. It's not just words, not just goals, and not just an outcome. It feels good to buy local. Whether you're supporting your community's small businesses, family-owned restaurants, or Farm Bureau Insurance, the local agents at Farm Bureau Insurance are dedicated to always helping you protect what's important. Farm Bureau Insurance is headquartered right here in Mississippi with local agents in your community. If you're shopping for car, home, or life insurance in the Popleville area, call Kate Amaker at 601-795-4585. Or if you're in the Picayune Carrier area, call Robert Hester, Lane Kazan, or me, Ross Gilbo, at 601-798-2861. And go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau Casualty, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Slick, that was an awesome interview, man. We certainly appreciate Coach Bramlett taking the time. Uh, we do for all of our guests, whether it be a radio personality, a sports writer, or and I hate to say especially, but really that's the case, a coach with the task of preparing for a really good Maroon Tide team to let us. I'm going to use the word bother. He certainly didn't seem at all like you were bothering him, but uh, – Gave you some great information. So a good interview by you and, and super informative from his side. Yeah, he provided a lot of information. He was very deep with 
some of their offensive guys and defensive guys. But overall, yeah, very very informative, and uh, he was he was a great interview. Always like it when uh, um, an offensive coach, so to speak, if that's their background and then become a head coach, can really dig into the other side of the ball. You know, sometimes I think that a head coach that's had that background is a little bit slower to brag on his side of the ball, but able uh, to really uh, go into that side of the ball. I think we do. I think we see that some with Cody. I think Cody's um, much quicker to speak uh, kindly about the defense and his guys and a little bit tougher on his group um, that he's coaching on that side. And so I, I think we saw that. In this interview, let's start there. Let's start on that defense that uh, Coach Bramley went in depth with. This is a stingy defense and a defense that will turn folks over with the Greyhounds. What do you expect out of them on Friday night based on the numbers we see, based on uh, the huddle study, and then certainly what we've heard from the head coach? Well, I think it really starts with those three guys that we talked about in the interview. Um, their big three-star linebacker, he's six one two ten, coming back and had 100 tackles last year. Kind of reminds you of a guy sure. who plays for the Maroon Tide. Uh, and then the other guy, he said, with a great IQ at linebacker, he's six one two zero five. And then the big guy on the defensive line, they did lose a couple guys up front uh, off of that team, but nine starters overall coming back on defense. And Talon Carter is a good one, six two two ninety. He's a big guy, not going to be uh, hard to miss on Friday night. But you're going to see a defense that's used to playing together as a group. Uh, very, very familiar uh, to to the Picayune defense. They've been playing together for a long time, so guys know where to be. Guys are going to play disciplined football, and they're going to have a task ahead of them. But this can be a very good group on defense. Yeah, I hope the old nose guard from Macomb that Coach Bramley references. Yeah. I wish there was a way. I hope Coach Brantley will come back and make it to this part of the podcast and somehow uh, link up with him and send him this interview. I thought that was uh, pretty cool. And isn't that true, right, as as we're youngsters and, and we uh, mem- he's got that memory of that young man engraved in his mind. I've got a 13-year-old that – is able to see a lot of Picayune Maroon Tide. There's no doubt he's not going to forget uh, 29 for the Maroon Tide, Amarion Tyson. He's not going to forget Waller, Mac Williams, Christian James. These type of memories just get etched in your mind. That's the type of ball game. I'm, I'm going to bounce around a bit. But, Slick, what a ball game we got to call a week ago. Was that something else? It was something else, man. And, boy, for us as broadcasters um – we're, we've been spoiled a little bit, right? Shoot. Because we started out with a brawl in Brandon. We had the controversial Catholic game, and now here we are a week ago, the thriller at Milner Field, man. It was a good one. So I think this is going to be another one we're going to try to put a name to because, you know, when you look at this Ocean Springs team compared to Gulfport, look, Coaching's a small world. Uh, everything's kind of intertwined, but you see a lot of similarities. They're going to be big up front. They're going to be physical on defense. And, and, and we share not an, a common opponent, but they share a common opponent that we can look at in Madison Central. Uh, both of those were losses for Gulfport and Ocean Springs, but they took them the distance and were in a position to win deep in the fourth quarter. And I think, too, when you look back at their body of work, them being Ocean Springs and that Northwest ranking game, I mean, when you're down 17 points against a very good ball team and you can rally back and win – they're also battle-tested. This also reminds you of somebody else, right? So exactly. two good teams, very battle-tested. It's going to be a phenomenal game. Yeah, you say battle-tested. I'll use another B word. It's something that you said to me. And then, of course, uh, normally when you tell me it's Easter, I can go hunt eat the eggs. So I looked at the balance, the yards per game, both passing and rushing the football slick. There's only about a 10 or 12 yards dis- uh, distance between the two. 
This is an awfully balanced club. You look at the rushing attack, 11 touchdowns, 190 yards on the ground. Then you look at the passing attack, eight touchdowns through the air, nearly 180 yards passing. So they are really balanced offensively. Yeah, they're they're really balanced. And it starts with Will Bergman, uh, Berglund. He came in and had to do a, a, a daunting task, right, of, of replacing a guy like Bray Hubbard, who we talked about in the interview with the coach. And he's been a, a – the past two weeks, someone we've talked about in our, our interview. So he's had some big shoes to fill, but very similar again to the Gulfport opponent in that he's in his first year. Uh, the offensive system is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little harder to, to adjust to, but he's been part of that program already, so he's familiar with it. And you can see that in his numbers. 66% completion rate is pretty good for a high school quarterback and not near the drops that we've seen uh, from the other teams we've played. Boy, he spreads the ball around to a lot of people, Clay. He, he does, Slick. And, you know, I went back and listened to our broadcast the other night, and I made the point um, maybe Gulfport and Coach Pinnock won't listen to this, but I felt like they were doing us a favor in the second half, particularly if they ever put it in the belly of their back. I, ju I just felt like Williams was the more dynamic player, actually their quarterback uh, position than their running backs. That won't be the case this week. Will Smith, the guy they'll put uh, in the belly of their running back, is just a junior, but he is going to be certainly a handful on Friday night. He's incredible, Clay. I mean, he's already got over 500 yards through four games this, this season. He touches the ball a lot of the backfield. And, you know, a kid who just, you know, sorry for them from last year and for him, especially to lose him, you know, five games into the season. But we got a little bit of a glimpse of what he could be last year. And, boy, he's living up to it this year. He's going to be someone we have to keep an eye on on Friday night. Yeah, because when you look at it, he's averaging seven and a half per touches. That's always a number, especially when you get some uh, games under your belt that we love to look at. He's got eight touchdowns. He's got two uh, receptions for touchdowns, gives him ten total on the year. You pair that offensive production with the stingy defense – this is a team three and one. You mentioned it. The Madison Central loss was a close loss. So they'll come to Lee Triplett ready to play. No doubt, Clay. And and when you look at this offense as a whole, too, you know, you, you mentioned the, the connection with Coach Pinnock. We heard that on the interview as well. I mean, these guys have been together for a long time, but you can see by watching them on film that Coach Bramlett has put his own stamp on it. You see a little bit of a more power move on the offense. You see him using, utilizing the H-back a whole lot more, and, boy, he'll kind of shift him over in motion to each side of the field. But that's a package where a lot more power running, I think, we're going to see on Friday night than we've seen last week. The Smith wide receiver, he's seven on the roster. He'll be seven if you're at Lee Triplett Stadium or if you're listening to our live broadcast. That Mossy of Picune pregame will start at 6.30. Go download the app and be able to tune in with us if you can't make it. He jumps out slick. He's averaging near, nearly 23 yards per reception. He's got 14 catches and two touchdowns. I believe he's the young man that Coach Bramlett said, maybe I need to even involve yeah. him more when, you, when even he's looking at these numbers. That's an explosive high school wide receiver. Max Preps doesn't show him as being a big kid, but he mm. must be dynamite. No, he is, and that was a, a couple of holes for them. They lost two big monsters at receiver, but they've got some guys coming in. As, as you mentioned, it sounds like Coach Bramlett's even been surprised with some of the production, but great numbers all down the roster and receiving. I mean, you see a lot of guys with big numbers. And then we have to mention it going into this ball game, 
Uh, Chris Davis, a guy that was banged up a week ago, the secret's out. Um, there's no doubt about that. We're not going to talk specifics or even specific timelines, but we know uh, that Chris will be um, out of service this week. When you look at Davis's production, I've got him for nearly 650 um, total yards. He's got eight touchdowns. When you look at production-wise, he's almost half of Picune's rushing attack. He's 25% of the catches and, and the yardage through the air. So what a blessing uh, to have Darrell Smith and Nike Ratcliffe to be able to handle the football. And certainly we're, we're praying for a quick recovery for Chris and the same, I'm using the word blessing. I know uh, CD6 won't take a slight to that, but to be able to have those guys waiting to carry the football and the job they did in the second half with CD6 being out. Those guys stepped up and did a great job. And listen, I mean, I'm not going to say anything foolish that, you know, we're we're not better off with Chris Davis on the field because we absolutely are. But I think if you're trying to scheme against this Picayune offense, it does make it a little tougher now because you know Chris Davis is the guy when he's on the field. Stopping him is another thing. But now when he's not there, you've got to say, who else is it going to be? Could it be a couple guys, three guys? So it does change a little bit of your defensive scheme for the game. When you look at Picayune, um, Slick – the way that we have started ball games, you mentioned the the different titles for the ball games. The reason they're so memorable is because the first half against Brandon really could have put away a good Bulldogs team. Uh, you looked at it, uh, weren't able to do that. Uh, let Brandon kind of stay in that ball game, and then you go to the Catholic loss. That was a miserable first half. I don't think there's any other way to to state that. That really should have been. When you look at it from our standpoint, the call at the end is the call at the end. We we don't need to beat that dead horse, but a ton of the pre-snap stuff was really heavy in the first half. And then you look at last week's first half, particularly offensively, we didn't come alive till right there at the end. You have a drive you score with, I believe, a minute left in the half, a clutch uh, drive and a good throw um, from Brady Robertson for the touchdown to Kyler King. But the offense in the first half, defense didn't play great in the first half. Not going to let them off the hook. But this offense in the first half, what will it take, Slick, to kind of get them going, getting off the bus, coming out of the locker room? It's a, it's a great point, Clay. And I think that we're starting to get a reputation as a team, as a team that is known to come out flat. And uh, I think we're going to have to really focus on doing something we haven't done all year, and that's playing four full quarters of good picking football. I think it's going to take that Friday night because – at some point, you know, in the season, you play a good team and you come out flat and you don't have a chance to, to come back. So it's, it's great. It's great to watch. Uh, it keeps you on the edge of your, your seat if you're up in the booth like us or in the fan base. But, man, we've got to be able to come out with that intensity level we had in the second half in the first quarter of this game. Yeah, something we talked about, the, the good play of the Greyhounds, something that has helped them is the way that they will take away the football um, to – They've got 10 turnovers, six picks, and four fumbles uh, recovered, if I'm looking at this right. And then they've also blocked a kick. And so they're a team that can go get the football. Picking going to have to value the football and then value the focus element that you talked about, I guess, two podcasts ago and, and being where they need to be, staying on sides, holding your water of your offense to eliminate some of those pre-snap uh, penalties, and you're going to have some guys. You take a CD6 out, it starts a card shuffle, a shuffling of the deck, and so you're going to have some guys in some spots that they're maybe 
uh, not real familiar in being in. So that will be very interesting the first couple quarters there, that first half to see how Picune performs offensively. It is, Clay, and I think you mentioned it too. We, we saw some of the things creep up last week that were plaguing us in the early um, early first two games, and that was the, the penalties. You know, I think we had four or five in the first half. We cleaned that up. Um, Gulfport was the more penalized team a week ago in the second half, but don't want to start out that way. Uh, don't don't want to take yards off the field when we're moving the football. And, you know, I think if, every possession is going to be very important. Picayune's been um, a lot of fun to watch, a lot of, of fun to call. But they are a mystery in, in some elements, which is fun. But the top end still remains the top end. When you can do what you did uh, late in the third quarter into the fourth against Gulfport, when you can put a half together like you were at Catholic, if you can overcome some stuff that you overcame in Brandon, particularly your quarterback kind of almost staggering around at times because of his health and the way that he was able to overcome that and play a good football game. There's no need to worry about Picune's top end, and that's normally how I judge a team, especially when you know you can get that from them in long stretches. We saw that uh, last year. But kind of your assessment slick through a, a – I'm going to call it a quarter of the year. We are through four ball games, which is just blows my mind. But uh, kind of your assessment, I don't want to grade from you, but your overall thoughts on, on what you've seen through picking through four ball games. Well, I mean, I've seen an offensive line that can be dominant. Uh, we've seen them move the football against some very premier defensive fronts, and I don't, I don't see anyone standing in their way of that. But really, I guess I'm going to repeat myself from earlier, but I think that overall – We've got a team who's got one loss, should be undefeated, but that's without playing four full quarters of football. So, as you mentioned, you're really not supposed to ever be able to come back when you're down against a nationally ranked team from Louisiana or come back when you're down from a top ten team in the state of Mississippi, but we've done that. So, man, when we get full four uh, quarters together, we're going to really see what this team can be. So, I think that we're not nearly playing at the potential we can yet, and we're still in pretty good shape. So, uh, the ceiling's super high for this Maroon Tide team. It is, and, you know, you look at the way this uh, schedule was constructed and you maybe look at uh, the win two weeks ago as the, at D'Iverville. D'Iverville's a 7A program. That's a tough place to go get a win, and you dominate that ball game 42-7. to I've almost said that was a bit of the only breather in this district schedule. Well, then you go look at a non-district schedule. Then you go look and see what D'Iverville did last week. And so that makes that win over in D'Iverville in dominant fashion. D'Iverville able to give Pascagoula its only loss uh, th thus far. So makes that win a couple weeks ago look even better. It does, man. And you mentioned, I mean, this has been an absolute gauntlet <sighs> of a non-district schedule. Um, <clears throat> it, it'd be You'd be hard-pressed to find a harder schedule non-district than Picayune's had. And – um, they, Especially they, six eight yeah. slick. I mean, yep. you look at it. Uh, if you didn't know any better, you'd say, "Well, Picayune's got." I mean, they, this is a this would be a very elite scheduling effort for a seven A club. People forget Picayune's a, a classification down at that six A level yep. too. Yep, all seven A opponents and potentially teams that are all going to be in the postseason. I think you could even mix the Iberville in that now too. I mean, they're they're going to have a, a tough conference. Uh, that coast conference is going to be tough, but boy, I expect to see. Uh, Gulfport and, and Ocean Springs um, going deep into the playoffs this year. You know, uh, just getting to, to listen the way that you and Dave handled yourselves in the first year uh, post-game 
uh, podcast, there were times along the way you look back, and I guess that was uh, two and a half years ago, but y'all would kind of prod the Picayune faithful to either get out or get out and make some noise. I can remember some of those early episodes. No need to do that. The Gulfport showing the other night was one of the finest showing I've seen on the road, not only in numbers, but in volumes in that second half. It created a, a special uh, atmosphere for the away team in Milner Stadium, which is very rare. It, it did, and, and it, you'd be hard to find a time where we've carried uh, a, a crowd like that for an away game. And, you know, I, I think you one of the best uh, – Best play-by-play guys in the business, and and paint the picture really well. But man, come out and watch this one. Uh, this is going to be another one that you're you're, you're going to want to see it in person. Absolutely, and like Jeff and I like to say, you can uh, listen to us later. Get out live, support uh, the student athletes in your community, uh, pay that gate fee, and then go back and find the Talking Ball Y'all app. You can listen to uh, Slick and I's call. We'll have Darren Uzel at the half. We'll have David Burnett join us um, for the post-game podcast. The guy sitting over there doesn't even care to have a, a microphone on his headset. He's just over there producing it as, as humble as they get. Jeff Lossett, we always appreciate what he does for our podcast. You've got Jeremy Forehand. Ricky Whitaker, David Burnett, they're sending him stuff at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I guess I'll say Saturday morning after these Friday night affairs. He never um, never complains. He just puts the podcast together and gets it out. So special thanks to Jeff Lossett and special thanks to you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening.